Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favorite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish dash tech dash news. Hi, welcome to today's Irish Tech News Podcast. On today's podcast, we have Eric Helmer. How are you doing, Eric? And he's a CTO of Rimney Street. Ah, oh, great. Yeah, thanks for having me. So before we start, tell us a bit of your background so we know who you are, just so we get an, uh, an idea of what you do, etc. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, I've uh, really made a career, a uh, pretty extensive career about um, with uh, implementing enterprise software. So when I say enterprise software, I'm talking things like Oracle and SAP and IBM and Microsoft, you know, large back office systems yeah. that do, you know, things like HR and finance and manufacturing. And, you know, my specialty was always really the love of planning and the architecture and design of well-performing systems that are fault tolerant and, and, and all that. Um, and, and um, you know, during that whole process of doing those kind of implementations, uh, what I really learned is that we couldn't really rely a lot on the software vendors for for support. We were kind of on our own, and we had to really kind of uh, write our own knowledge bases and 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 kind of learn from one another. Um, so I think you know, as a result of that, it really kind of shifted my career to uh, outsourcing systems for for these clients. I think you, you know these clients they're not savvy in the back ends. They don't want to run it day to day. I want to use the systems for the great things that they do. Yeah, but uh, it's kind of it's kind of hard to, to maintain them. So I turned my focus into kind of taking that burden uh, off of uh, customers and I focused on hosting. It was really private hosting uh, really before a lot of the uh, public uh, cloud models that we have today. Um, and then today, you know, I'm, uh, I'm with Remedy Street and I, I, I help uh, customers, uh, you know, get the most out of their enterprise uh, systems today uh, by providing managed services. But we also provide a better alternative to the expensive vendor support and maintenance that doesn't really provide a lot of value for these mission critical systems and are kind of inappropriate for yeah. that. So I'm, I'm passionate about these systems and the customers and, you know, they need a high response team for adequate support. And um, we provide a model to, to do that, to keep it running at the best. Yeah. I remember years ago, my father, when he was working, he, he would tell me that in his company at a certain time, every couple of years, some of the software they had, they had built for them with suddenly stopped working. And it was as if the vendor more or less said, oh, yeah, we can repair that. But as the as software is based uh, in another country, it'll cost extra money to fix it. And I can imagine what you're dealing with. You're dealing with, 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 with people who, who, who are telling you or oh, our, our suppliers are telling us to fix to or up, to upgrade our software is going to cost extra money. And why should it? Yeah, yeah, that seems to be kind of the, the standard answer for a lot of these vendors is, sorry, you're having the problem, upgrade to the latest version and see if the problem still exists. And if it does, give us a call back then. And uh, that's that's just not okay for, for these critical software. I mean, these things need to be running. They need to be running on the versions that they're at and they need someone they can trust. And in that case, when he was doing this, it was the early 90s, when there wasn't anything stored in the cloud, it was stored locally on a computer. I have to send someone down to that office, no matter where it was in the world, to fix it, which, again, cost time and money. You bet. You bet. So I can imagine you'd be around the time when we just started using that, and when we were still using as well, uh, big old uh, digital back systems as well. 
Yeah, yeah, I remember those. So do I. I, I years ago, I, I learned programming on one of those years ago. And then my dad's company, he used them a lot as well. So I can remember going back from that. And nowadays, all the software we're using now is basically, most of it is, is SaaS and cloud-based. Yeah, is- I think for net new software, I think that we, we are stuck with doing things in a subscription-based model. Where it gets to be a little challenging is for, is for folks that have you know invested in an ERP platform for the last you know twenty years or even more. Yeah, they want to get you know, and and they did so with the understanding that they'd be able to run it forever and ever and ever, and that the vendors would be by their side you know a, a, along the way, and they want to maximize the value out of that large investment that they've made, and they've customized it to make their own, and they've configured it to make their own. So sometimes it's just a, a tough pill to swallow for those that have had these long running systems to abandon all of that, throw that all in the trash, and then re-implement everything again into some sort of subscription-based software as a service rented tenant model. And that's a, that's a tough one to, to justify to boards of directors these days. Because I guess when businesses decide to uh, go to transform what they're doing and move to new, to, to new software and hardware, what problems would, would they face? Well, you know, I think with any kind of digital transformation uh, project, um, by far the, the the number one issue, the problems I think that people get into is is complete lack of planning. Uh, we call that phase zero, and yeah. um, you know, and and I think people think that they do enough planning in phase zero, but I think most people uh, don't really do nearly as much of of what they need to do the planning. It's got to be a full mapping of current state uh, across all the work streams, across all the modules, and map to what the end state is going to be with step-by-step process of how to get from current state to end state. Uh, you know, with 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 complete planning uh, to to do that and feasibility, because sometimes without the planning, they can they can do a project and realize by the towards the end that it's not even possible to do what they thought it it could do. Um, you know, I think number two is probably uh, lack of organizational buy-in. Yeah. You know, I th- you you have to get all your stakeholders and uh, from the very 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 beginning, change management has to be planned in phase zero and all the stakeholders have to be involved from the very beginning so that they adopt your solution so that they're they're there across all the milestones they're there for the planning they're there for the architecture the the worst thing you'd want is is have a really great idea for a digital transportation or transformation project uh, only to get it to the finish line and no one uses it right because they weren't involved in it so that's a number huge huge one and i think finally and probably most importantly is uh, they fail to define the the roi um, they really fail to really articulate why they're doing the project yeah. and, 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 and how that's going to impact the bottom line of the business. And I think there's a lot of projects that are justified with weak words like this is a modernization project or uh, we're going to uh, lift and shift or we're going to replatform or we're going to do IT 2.0. All those things are completely meaningless to me because they're not solving. That's not a business problem. That, that That's not a business aspiration. A lot of times that's just justifying IT to just do an IT project. 
So I think people need to take a step back and say, hey, how is this impacting the bottom line of the business? How is this increasing revenue, decreasing costs, yeah. uh, impacting key performance indicators that, uh, positively for the company or reducing a risk profile or getting better adherence to compliances or reducing human errors or something's got to be in there that's actually going to make the juice worth the squeeze. And if you're not able to make that kind of a board ready plan to justify the project, it's time to start rethinking things. Yeah, I think about 20, 30 years ago, if you were doing this, the first thing that would come into your mind was we have to upgrade our hardware and that's going to cost us money. Whereas nowadays, because it's all basically cloud-based, that's not an issue anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that, well, that's right. But it does come with a price, though, too, because yeah. while you don't have to upgrade, you're forced to upgrade and you're forced to upgrade on the schedule of the SaaS provider. So the disruption you kind of lose control over and and, and it's a continuous amount of testing and regression testing and, and, and end user training as new use, as new features come in at the frequency that it does. So it's not all cracked up what it be sometimes in, in, in the cloud, but there's pros and cons, right? Yeah, there is probably like I'm thinking, for example, also, if someone's using a different OS, like say, for example, they're using a Mac or they're using Linux, because it's cloud-based, that won't really be an issue. Yeah. At first, yeah. but as you said, when you when you keep getting updates to the software and you happen to, to train staff to use it, that can be a problem as well. Yeah, so it's, you're in continuous change, right? Yeah. So that can be disruptive in and of itself. Because like I know, for example, with Office 365, that's updating all the time. Now, luckily for us, only about once a year where we get a major change, so it's not too bad. But if you right. use software that every two or three months there's a major upgrade, that can be that yeah. can be a problem. Yeah, complete problem. That's right. I've seen that before with companies, and they say, "Oh yeah, we have this product, and we have to use it." But every two or three months, they do they have to do an upgrade to it. And I'm thinking, well, if they're doing that. That means that the software that they're using must be buggy or, or security risk. So why are you still with them? Right. <laughs> That's a good point as well. Yeah, because I've seen that in the past. Where, For example, I, I'm now Mac because I used to, I used to actually be uh, Windows-based. And then uh, I used to find that every couple of weeks, Acrobat Reader would always do updates because there was always security risk with it. Since right. I got the Mac, I haven't to worry about that or anything else. So you're going to find that scenario with certain OSs and software. Yep, of course. Yeah, and... Luckily, my Mac is a built-in PDF reader, so I don't have to worry about uh, Acrobat Reader or anything else or using Adobe software as such. So I'm, <laughs> I'm lucky, but right. others haven't got that. haven't got that ability or, or, or be able to able to do that. And they've got to, whatever the cards dealt with, I whatever the company's using, they've got to stick with that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I, I guess as uh, that must be the most annoying thing when you know it's something better out there, but you can't do it because. Maybe you're tied into a long-term deal with a vendor. The vendor says, "Look, if you tie in for so many years, we'll give you discounts." But in reality, the discount doesn't doesn't isn't worth much. No, no, especially there's no discount in the world that is going to justify a long-term lock-in. Yeah, you know, our, 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 you know, the technology is changing so fast, and we just heard the word ChatGPT six months ago. I mean, what's around the corner? You can't be signing these five, ten-year-long contracts that lock you in without and, and, and eliminating the availability of of options and the ability for you to change your mind and be agile and make, you know, uh, put things in, put things out at will and, and do your own business driven roadmap. Things are happening too fast and the vendors aren't really innovating at the speed that they need to be that you can use third party tools to, to get a little bit, innovate a little bit faster. So uh, it's the lock-in problem. That is, is the biggest issue for most. Yeah. And for me also, another problem I find is that some people have this scenario 
where they where they're told that uh that uh once one software fits everything. So when you get the get the the package from the vendor, it's it's it, they they seem it'll work for everybody. They don't customize it to, to your needs. Yeah. Well, I mean, just think about when we bought these ERPs 20, 30 years ago. We yeah. we were bought them on the promise that they're customizable. We bought them that you can put them and, and make them yours and do what you want to. Yeah. They're so very powerful and they very and they very much are. Uh, and now they're saying you to abandon all that customization and go do business like everybody else in a cookie cutter cloud. Yeah. And, and that's just you know, and then they walk away from all the intellectual property and unique business rules and that you've you've put into that system over all these years. Yeah, that's that's tough. That's tough to walk away from, right? Yeah, because I'm thinking of something like Salesforce, for example. When you use their software, they allow you to plug and play like Lego, and you can take what you want, what you need. So when you get software, compared to uh, another guy's using it, yours is going to be different because you're putting what you need into it and what you don't need out of it, where some vendors don't give you that opportunity. That's right. Salesforce is probably an outlier in the amount of customization that they can do, but yeah. I think that's kind of rare in most cases. Yeah, because I've seen companies that are, that are told, oh, yes, we can do X, Y, and Z for you. And then when they come to do it, it actually doesn't do what it says in the tin. And they're sitting there going, well, I pay for the software. And it says, don't worry. Those things that you don't need, they're still yeah. there, but just in <laughs> case you wonder, you'll need them. They're there for you, which in my view is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just it's 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 crazy to to have to walk away from that license investment, and spend two or three years and ten, twenty, thirty, forty million dollars in a transformational project, only at the end of the day to have the same, similar, or less functionality of what you started with. It, it's just it's maddening. And then the worst thing is you're paying for things you don't really need or are ever going to use. Yeah, well, absolutely, absolutely. Like if, for example, you got a system that um that for example uses AI. And your and your company basically is using ChatGPT, and then the system you're 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 using now is a different version of AI. How are they how are they compatible, for example? Right or incompatible? Yeah. Right? They could be, yeah. Or or they could be you know completely competing. Yeah, and or if you're using internal communication software, how is that? And it doesn't work with 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 the new software you've got. What happens then? Yeah. Well, I think there's there's ways to get data in and out of uh, out of places. I mean, you know, the uh, the the best of breed model that was you know 20, 30 years ago, and why that's kind of making a comeback these days is yeah. because the challenges that we had a best of breed of data integration and getting things to talk to one another and master data management and release management and zero trust security and all those kinds of things. All those problems have been solved now. So now people are able to really, instead of saying that they're an IBM shop or an SAP shop or an Oracle shop, you know, now it's more like, hey, let's look at the business requirements and aspirations that we have, and then let's now go agnostically, go find the right technology that's going to get us there in the most cost-effective way. And there's a whole bunch of different ways that we can skin the cats these days. Yeah. And 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 I think the days of the one single monolithic vendors are are, are over for that reason. Because I can remember years ago when when your guys come into uh, to it, they were going to develop software for a company. They come in and sit down and they go through process time and watch of all the different departments and then they get to tell this is what you need this is what we'll build for you and after a while that ceased to ceased to be oh, yeah. it was done all those people are gone now man yeah <laughs> all those people are gone now now they're just uh almost thugs that are just going around selling cloud subscriptions like magazines and half of them don't even know what the, the software does yeah. you know it's, and then, uh, then when you mentioned now about that we're bringing back to the idea was well they're, we're no longer 
just just a, a, a one vendor supplier. We supply different things because we now will go back and see what do you need, which what the guy used to do years ago. Yeah, uh, right. Now it's all upsell. I know you'll need this and you don't need this, but yeah. if you get all of the stuff together, I can give you a package discount. And then what happens is you end up paying your 22% year over year annual maintenance on the whole lot when you're only using a fraction of it. Yeah. And that doesn't make sense either. It's like basically if somebody's in an office and said, oh, yeah, you need to have so many heater fans or, or, or fans in the, in the building, and, and half of them aren't been used, but you're still paying for them. That's right. And it, yeah. same with IT, I'm seeing a lot of companies that are that actually happening, they're actually paying for things that they don't need or are ever going to use because they're told that one day you might need it, but they're not told why they might need it. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, it's you get true. a scenario where you oh yeah, well this this is important, what does this do? And they explain to you in jargon, never in plain English, what yeah. it does. So you're sitting there and you're assuming, oh yeah, well, it's like if you go into a, 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 a shop and buy a new computer. And the guy goes in and tells you, sells you this, and he gives you all the jargon word. And he, he, they're assuming you know what they mean when you don't. And same with these yeah. guys. They're telling you, oh, yeah, it does this, it does that, and that, and that. And you don't know what it is, but, but, but it's good for you. Right. <laughs> and when That's you right. hear those words, good for you, you're more saying, okay, this guy knows more than me about it. But I'm thinking, if he knows more than you, that's scary because you should, have, you should know enough to, to be able to understand what he's talking about and make sure you're not being bamboozled. Yeah, but absolutely. And especially today, more than any, uh, any day, uh, it's really the burden is on the customers to do the research, to check the facts from the fiction, because the days of really having those transparent conversations of what you really need and what you really don't need are kind of over. And it's sad, but it's true. And I think customers and companies really have to step up to the plate and do the do, do the hardcore research on all the potential options and software that they have and, and choose the right one that's going to fit their needs. Yeah, and also they got to make sure that they that the right department is involved in this. So that basically they know what actually they, they will need. Oh, absolutely. And I didn't know how many times companies make a mistake by putting this whole burden on procurement, who has absolutely no idea about any of the business requirements, but procurement's actually leading the charge of, of software selection. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's scary. It's scary that that happens, but it does. And the odd time you're gonna get you're gonna get some way that a company uh, a vendor gets a gets a contract for a company, and they're and they're actually not not the guy that threw mean they shouldn't have got it. And they, when you look back, they go, well, "Why do we go with these guys? They aren't giving us what we need." Yeah, well, because I, I was able to I was able to talk them down ten percent, so it was a win for procurement. Yeah, or you or there's a time I've seen where envelopes change hands. These yeah. things happen, and uh, yeah. and it. It's, it's probably something that doesn't happen enough, but at times that can happen and you just don't know. And it's kind of scary when 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 people start complaining after and not before because they didn't do due diligence and make sure they knew what they were getting. Well, and that's why ROI is so important and to make ROI-based decisions as opposed to just cost because you could spend a dollar on something and that could have a huge negative return and impact on the business. Or you could spend a million dollars on something and you could have a $5 million return within three years. Yeah. That would be a brainer. But if you're only looking at costs, you're going to spend that horrible dollar every time. So we have to have procurement working with the business, looking at the long-term effects of projects and decisions that we're making today and how that trickles trickles down over net recumulative returns over the next three, four, five years after that to make sure that we're actually getting return back into the business. Yeah. 
And one more thing I'm thinking of as well is businesses having to deal with the big elephant in the room, which is legacy software. Oh yeah, legacy. You know, uh, you know, Ron. I I really hate the word legacy because it has a lot of really negative implications, right? It, yeah. It's it, it kind of implies that the system is unusable or it's clunky or it's a burden. But you know, in the reality, software doesn't wear out. It's not like a machine, like a computer or a yeah. or a car or something like that. It does the same thing every day. It will do it forever and ever and ever. So. Um, when you're talking about software, I don't like to lump that in with that with that uh, word, right? Yeah. And and if you look at like ERP systems, even if it's 20 years old system or 10 year old system, most people aren't really using that ERP to its 100% fullest. Yeah. And people want to continue maximizing their investment in that year over year over year, regardless of how how old it is. This is some of the most robust software that's ever been written, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of lines of code. So when I see a company using a software that they purchased a long time ago and it's working just fine and they keep growing it and enhancing it, well, hell, I'm impressed. Yeah. You know, there's there's nothing wrong with getting maximum value out of these assets, especially um, on, on non-differentiating transactional systems. I mean, you're not differentiating or growing or innovating your business with your with your transactional system. I mean, you're processing payroll and closing books. Who cares what what, what version it is? Yeah, right? but as long as it works with your OS, that's the thing I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about. You might have something that won't work with latest Windows, for example. Yeah, but there's solutions for that. Containerizations, virtualizations. There's there's solutions for all of these kinds of things. What people think they might need to to upgrade the ERP. Yeah. That, that gives people the freedom to upgrade the adjacent technology around the ERP without actually having to upgrade the ERP uh, it, itself. Right. Yeah. And also, you also don't believe that it's fair that enterprise users are been told by suppliers such as Oracle or, or SAP that they're any support for some of their old applications while raising the cost for support for the current applications and you think and i might say you, you believe that they should have a choice more of a choice when, when doing this yeah isn't isn't that just absolutely infuriating of course people want choice yeah i mean these vendors sold their customers with promises that it would stand the test of time and that would they would be with you all along the journey they would walk your halls and make sure that you're happy with the program they they would find somebody in their company if you're having problems find the right person to to get you through the 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 the, the fold you know there were trusted advisors there were consultants yeah i mean you remember those days it was yeah. just like it was a completely different situation than it is now so yeah you can imagine that when people call ramini street they're they're mad they're mad that their their former friend is now forcing them to do these expensive projects, tens of millions of dollars, only to get similar, same or less functionality. And 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 they go through this kind of emotional life cycle. I see it all the time, right? Where they they start with just the shock and and, and and confusion, right? And then and then they say to themselves, well, surely they'll have an exception for me yeah. because I'm their favorite customer and I'm a really good customer, right? And then and then they don't. And they still say, you've got to rebuy my software all over again, re-implement my software all over again, and you've got two years to do it, or we will abandon you. Yeah. And, and and that just changes the emotional life cycle from that confusion to just feeling of abandonment and resentment and 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 anger. So when that when it gets to that point, then it's just an all-out uh, 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 focus to get the freedom back, to take the power back, so that they can have 
the power to to drive their own roadmap and not be subject to these arbitrary dates that the that the vendors are saying you've got to be off a certain version at a certain time. So absolutely they want choice, and that's exactly what where Meany Street does is give people the power to push back on the bully, yeah. right, and pr and provide a much more appropriate high response support model and save a bunch of cash along the way. Because the worst thing is when somebody gets something and then they suddenly realize. The thing about software like using or the hardware isn't there anymore. It's been taken away and it, and it won't come back. Yeah. Like I yeah. remember when I, when I got, I'm on my second Mac now. When I got my, my, my first Mac, but I got it seven years ago, it had basically great keyboard and it didn't have touchscreen at the top as, as, a, as some of the later models did. And it had all the ports on both sides, lovely little amount of ports. I thought that was great. And then a year or so after I got my Mac, Apple tried to do away with all that. And they got a lot of complaints. And then when they moved their, their, their hardware over to their own silicon chips, that's when I realized, okay, I'm going to have to uh, have to move because I'm an Intel-based uh, Mac. I'm not sure how long more. And then last year, they stopped, I'll get up, last year they stopped supporting my OS. I mean, they wouldn't get new OS updates. I said, that's fine, I've got to move over. But I waited until I, I got one back. And Apple listened to the customer and said, look, we know you want back all these old ports and everything else and Mike Satan different things. We're going to bring it back. And that's when they move back. If well, only more company would do that. That's well, that you said it right there. Yeah. They listen to their customers and they help them get the customers what they want. What's happening with these vendors is that they're not listening to their customers and they're forcing them to do things that they don't want to do. And when these when these vendors make choices that are not in the best interest of their own customers, it provides a really great opportunity for Ramini Street to help people take the power back. Yeah, because for me, when I was using, I was used to the thing called MagSafe, which is the cable you, you plug magnetic onto the side of your, your laptop. And if, for example, you throw over the cable, the cable moves the laptop away and the laptop won't move, so it won't get damaged. And then they took that away, for example, which my view was stupid because that was what made Macs very good. And then yeah. they put up, up uh, this touchscreen bar where you can could, you could, you, you make it do certain things like function keys and everything. I'm thinking, well, I don't want that to be programmable. I don't need that. It's just stupid. And then the yeah. keyboard change and the keyboard that they, that they changed to was so bad that to... Uh, Repair them every so often because they 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 wouldn't weren't lasting, and then they yeah. realized, oh, our customers said they want this and that. We'll have to we'll do what they said. Now I'm thinking I was lucky, but other companies should be doing that as well and realizing the customer is king. That's right, absolutely, absolutely. You got to listen to your customers, and and uh, you've you've got to give them the, the the choices. But once you start strong arming customers, that's when they're going to leave you, right? Yeah. And when our customers get mad enough that the next conversation that they have with these vendors is a is a notice of termination, and they do it with a smile on their face. Yeah, because we realize that we're not getting what we're not getting what we used to get, and maybe the guy you used to deal with isn't there anymore. Because if they're used to a guy you're dealing with all the time. And he always come around and help you, help you upgrade and everything else. And you're used to him, and suddenly he's gone. And the new guy comes in, doesn't care about you anymore. Yeah, and, or knows nothing about your environment, knows yeah. nothing about your problems, or nothing about your solutions, knows nothing about your aspirations and your goals. Yeah, starts all over, doesn't yeah, it? Because I've seen guys that will come in to see you once a month. I'll oh, check about how you're doing, how's software working out. And they sit down, have a coffee with you, or tea with you, and chat with you, and make sure everything's working great. And you go away, that's customer service. I'm getting looked after. They're making sure. That I'm getting what I asked for, and if there are any problems, he'll fix it. Now, when that guy goes and he's caught me or something that happens, and you get a new guy coming in, he mightn't might be thinking, oh, oh, he mightn't 
just do that. He'll just do it his own way. Yeah, because those guys aren't incented to partner with their customers yeah. anymore. They're 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 incented to sell subscriptions like magazines, and they and they eat what they kill. Yeah, and they're they're tenacious, right? I've seen that, and now when they're tenacious, the idea is they've been told upsell, 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 and you're upselling this customer something they don't need. Like you might say, oh, by the way, with cloud storage. Well, if you upscale a bit more, we'll give you so much extra terabytes free, which you're actually you're never going to use. Yep. Yep. Or they, they give you a scenario where, oh, we'll give you this great new cloud service, but it, it, it's all basically sync storage, which means it's no use to you because syncing only syncs up and down from your computer. And you can't use that proper storage because it only syncs what you have on your, on, on, uh, locally. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, on that uh, on that note, before we finish off, just say, uh, just say thanks for a great conversation, Eric, and uh, ha have a great day. Hey, Ron, thank you so much for having me. Enjoy the podcast; it's fantastic, and thanks. I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, come on board and have a conversation with you. All right. Thanks. thanks so much. For, all right. Thanks for that. Have a great day. Take care. Bye. Right, thank you. Bye. Okay. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News. On LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE. And on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.